Good morning. Well, that was pretty good. Thank you for saying good morning back for those of you that did. What a beautiful morning. My name is Maureen Brown, and I serve here on staff in children's ministries, and it is an honor, a privilege, and a real pleasure to bring the message this morning. Um, I think that the reason that I say it's such a beautiful morning is that the majority of my life, I have been on a farm. I grew up on a farm. My husband and I farmed for many years together in Foam Lake, and you know that day on a farm? When it rains, and I know as a child, you don't really know that, oh, there shouldn't be rain now, and this rain is bad now. You just think there's rain. We're going to have a different day. We're going to maybe have coffee a little longer. We're going to have a little bit more time for each other. And so there's just something about rain that just makes me enjoy that morning. So I'm, I'm happy to be here this morning. And this morning, I'm, the message of ringing is called Dreaming of More, so that all will know. Last week, if you were here, you saw something really unique here in our church. Uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Bruce, preached and spoke the message with his daughter, Jody. And they spoke on faith through different stages of life. And what a picture that was to have him and his daughter here and, and speaking on faith and through those different stages of life. And I couldn't help but I listened to it online because I was with children last week, but... Um, And it's available online if you've missed it. It's really worth listening to. But I couldn't help but think, I wonder if Pastor Bruce ever imagined or ever dreamed that one day he'd preach with his daughter. Did he ever dream that? Was that in his heart? Was that in his mind? And so I think of what do we dream of for the generation coming after us? What do we dream of now? What did you dream of when you came to church this morning? What did you hope for? What do our hearts long for? That's what we're going to talk about tomorrow. You know, I mean, today, a lot of things change in a generation. And if we're not intentional about them, they change whether we know that or not. I have a couple of examples just in my life. The first one is, okay, going back to June 30th was a very, very, very special day for me. June 30th. This was the day that I got to do a road trip solo with my grandson. And you're thinking, how did they trust? They trusted me. They did. So here's the day. There's a rider game. Wasn't such a great day for the riders, but it's a great day for me. Anyway, there was a rider game. So my whole family, so that's, I've got six kids, three by marriage, three by birth. So Lance and Elise, Regan and Lindy, Brady and Chanel, and Elmer are all going to Regina for the football game. And I am taking Tate to the lake by myself. They're going to join later. It's going to be in the middle of the night by the time they get there. So I have this all this time by myself. So the first thing I was thinking of is, oh, okay, my vehicle. And so I'm so thankful that Elise helped me. We got the car seat. I learned all the things you only, like now you have only a finger. You got to pull that seatbelt so tight that only a finger can fit above. See, I knew you guys. I knew what I was doing. That finger can go above. We put the mirror in because they face backwards. I'm driving. I've got him back there. The mirror's there. It is good. He sleeps for the first hour. It's wonderful. For the second hour, he kind of wakes up. So we stop a couple times. I want to stop a couple times. We went shopping in a small town and it was just great. About the last half hour, it was grandma going, the wheels on the bus go around and singing with my hand out like this. If people drove by, they probably thought, she is praising the Lord. I was singing because that's what he could maybe see in my mirror a little bit, but, or hear. 
But you know what? I just need to tell you something. It was a great day for me because, and I'm going to prove it that we made it. When I got to the lake, I thought I better send them a picture that we've made it successfully. Here it is. We arrived on the deck. There we are. Now I'm just thinking, so I sent it to them all at the football game. They sent me back a few pictures. And I'm just thinking, I worked that pretty good to get a picture of my grandson into the message, didn't I? <laughs> all right. Anyway, the thing I want to talk about generations is, you know what? When I was a kid, when my parents said, we're going to go, even probably when I was two years old, everybody jump in the car. And some of you will remember this. We just jumped in the car. We just jumped in the car. That's probably why in my generation, and maybe some of you will remember this, that lots of our fingers got smashed and stuff because our brother closed the door in our hand and we were three and we were trying to open the doors and we got in. Now, some of you won't believe this. When I got in the vehicle with my sister and maybe a friend in the back seat, if we were going on a long journey, we made beds. We made beds. One got the seat. One got the rear view dash. Have any of you slept in the rear view dash? Put your hand up and confess. If, yeah, I see hands. Yay. You have. And one of us, the, the, the third person got the floor because they had the hump, right? So that's what we did. So think of what's changed in a generation. We would never dream of saying, kids, jump in the car. We strap them in. We've got weights for different seats. It's changed. Another thing that's changed is sunscreen and the value of sunscreen. We would never dream of sending kids out without sunscreen. Even ourselves, we put sunscreen on. Do you know what? When I was a kid, we didn't even have sunscreen. Maybe there was sunscreen, maybe other families did, but we didn't. We just went out, and the first day you just got your burn. First day you got your burn, and then because the, the commercial said use Noxzema, we put Noxzema on, it stung so badly. And then maybe the second day we wore a T-shirt, and maybe we peeled on the third day, and that was good to get the first peel off because then you got your base layer done. And some of you know we would never dream of that. That has completely changed. As a matter of fact, when I was a teenager, put your hand up. Maybe you won't want to for this. I'll just say it, know in your mind that you did this. Some of you slathered baby oil on yourself so the sun was attracted more. I see heads nodding. Some people laid on metallic sheets with baby oil. We just didn't know how dangerous that was. So things have changed. My husband, Elmer's dad, my father-in-law, is 94 years old. And a while ago, we talked to him. He's still living, and we've asked him, what have been the biggest changes that you've seen? And he said, oh, there's so many, but there's a couple that are huge. And the first one was transportation. He went from farming with horses to then farming with four-wheel drive tractors that are run by computers. That happened in his farming career to jets. He just said, it's amazing transportation. But the other thing he said was technology and communication. That has changed. Do you know, when I was young, and some of you will remember this, we had what we call a party line. Who had a party line? Yeah, lots of party lines. Now, some of the younger people are thinking, hey, great, what's wrong with that? A party on a line. That's not what a party line was. A party line was meant you and the majority of your neighbors shared one telephone line. So when the phone call came in, you had to listen for your ring. How many of you remember your family's ring? Isn't it amazing we don't forget those things? I remember my family's ring, one long, two short. So the phone would ring, it would go ring, and I'd say, maybe it's us, maybe it's us, ring, maybe it's us, maybe it's us. And then it might stop. No, that's the... That's the neighbors down the road, and we'd ring, 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 and you just wait for your line, your call, because that was your time you could answer the phone. Nowadays, in my home, when all of our families together, there is nine of us, eight adults and eight, we have eight 
phones in the house at once. It used to be nine because we had a landline. We don't have that anymore, but eight phones in the house. With nine people, Tate doesn't have a phone yet. <laughs> so, so now it's changed. So much has changed. A number of years ago, I was in a waiting room, and I was waiting, and there was a gentleman beside me, and we got talking. And he started talking about his children. He was, a little old, he was older than me, and he started complaining. And he started saying, my children don't have a clue what I did. They, they take everything for granted. They don't know. I did this and I did that. And they don't have a clue about this or that. And it went on and on quite bitter and quite upset. And I realize that probably I should have not entered that conversation with what I said next. But I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. And this is what I said. I said, wow. Did you ever dream that your kids wouldn't have to experience what you experienced? You worked so hard for that. That must feel really good. Now, at that point, the conversation could have gone south. Because with the same contempt that he was talking about his children, that could have been directed at me. Because really, I did take a bold step there, but it didn't. What happened was, he paused for a moment, he looked directly at me, his shoulders got a little broader, and he said, yeah, it does feel good. Just a little shift in how we look at something and how we think of something, he said, it does feel good. Dreaming of more, what does that make you think of? Everyone, there's so many of us in this room, you've got things coming in your mind when you think dreaming of more. And I think, what does that make you think of for our church? Dreaming of more for our church, for right now and for the next generation. What does your heart really long for? John 13, 34 to 35 tells us something that the Lord's heart longs for. And that's this. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, and Lord, we love you. And we ask that you would honor us this morning, Lord, with your presence. Lord, we invite you and we ask you to minister in the deepest and profound ways that only you can. Awaken us as that song that we sang to your presence this morning. I ask that you calm fears and hurts and insecurities. And Lord, if we have come this morning with hard hearts, I ask that you would soften them and open us up to what you want to speak to us this morning. And Lord, I ask if there are things of me that they will fall away and the things that are of you and your Holy Spirit, that those would be the things that stick and stay. Thank you, Lord. We love you. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So last week, as I said, we heard a message on faith through all stages of life. Founded on Hebrews, I mean, they spoke from the passage Hebrews 1.1 that says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's a powerful, lots is packed into that one verse. Um, Bruce um, reminded us that, that um, it's not the strength of our faith, 
but it's the object of our faith. And that's a quote by Timothy Keller, too, that says, it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. I really like Timothy Keller. I like his books, his messages. And so I have another quote that I want to bring to us this morning from Timothy Keller. It's a quote about parenting, but we're going to look at it in the context of our church. And the quote about parenting goes like this. You have been handed a precious piece of history in advance, a gracious gift you'll send to a time you do not see. So everybody here that's holding babies, you think of that in a, in a unique way, a piece of history in advance. But what about if we change that to our church context and we put it this way, we have been handed a precious piece of history in advance, a gracious gift we send to a time we will not see. Precious pieces of history in advance. If you look around, we hear some babies, we see some babies, we see young people, we see all generations in this church. And I'm so thankful for that, that, that this is an intergenerational church. And I'm thankful because we have lots to offer each other throughout the generations. But you know what? Some of these young people are going to still be here in 50 years. And some of us aren't going to be here in 50 years. What will we have left behind? What will people have said? I'm so thankful for those people that believe that there could be a church out in this spot. Some must have thought that's going to be on the edge of the city. That's crazy. But you know what? People built this church and here we are worshiping this morning. Because someone had the vision to dream for more and to dream of more. I invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. That's where we're going to be this morning. Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians while he was in prison. And um, it wasn't in response to a crisis as some of his other letters were written to churches and things that they were going through. But instead he wrote this letter with a sense of appreciation and affection for the Philippian leaders. Paul's joy is undeniable. This has often been called the happy book because his joy is undeniable in this. And it's the same joy that he wants the recipients of the letter to have as well. And so in the first 11 verses, Paul lays out a very good set of principles for this joy. And if if you want to call it happiness, that's okay. You can call it happiness. But just want to kind of make a little bit of difference between happiness and joy. Happiness... If you make that the goal of your life, you will guarantee that you're never going to be happy. Doesn't that sound weird? I just want to be happy. People say, I just want to be happy. If you make that the goal, you'll never be happy. It's always the result. Happiness is always the byproduct. Happiness based on happenings is short term. It's short-term. We, we look forward to special events and things, but they're short-term. We can be really happy for that event, but they're short-term. Temporary. Happiness based on habits or principles or ways of thinking are long-term. Those are the things that we can hold on to. They give us a different way to look at things, a different lens. So let's read Philippians 1, verses 1 to 11. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, 
so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. In this text, we hear about four things that Paul outlines when it comes to relationships. Relationships within our church family and beyond. It offers us a model. And I want to just break this up a little bit. In Philippians 1.3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. So number one, I'd say we need to be grateful for the people in our life. We need to be grateful for the people in our church. Study after study links gratitude to that happiness that we always want. Gratitude, being grateful, it's been proven over and over by psychologists, sociologists, and others that the more grateful you are, the more content you are, the more happy you are. And the more ungrateful, the more unhappy. So I want to ask you a question this morning, and I want you in your heart and in your mind to be really honest with yourself. The question is this, when you think of people in your life, is your first thought gratitude? Or is it about a problem you're having at that moment? Something you need to work out. Something you need to tell them. Something you need to inform them about. Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. You know, I had the opportunity to spend a week at Redbury Bible Camp this this year, this summer. Oh, man, that was just such a a filling week for me. And I, I loved so many things about it. I loved the culture, the good work that's happening there. I loved the leadership. But there were things that really stood out to me. And the things that stood out to me were those that I have relationship with, those that are in our body here that are really working for the Lord. I couldn't help but look at Bree Petko and and Rachel Petko and say, go Bree and Jill and say, look at them. Look what they're doing. I'm so happy. I'm so so thankful for them. And then the children that were there, I couldn't help but, but think, I know that one. How are they doing? How are they doing? You know what? There's something when you're grateful and happy it, it was exciting. It was just an incredible week for me. And then Jody, who's been interning with me, just watching her um, share the gospel, was powerful. I was so full of gratitude and happiness. It was a great week. Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks. Even in the church here, I, I, I can't list names because there's so many in the church that I'm so thankful for in children's ministry and youth ministries, people that serve in all the ministries, the door greeters, the people that make coffee this morning, the ushers. We need to be so thankful for each other. We all do our part. We become a living body for Christ. So thankful for leaders that last spring have been, been serving here in children's ministry since I started that said, hey, count us in. Count us in for next year. Those are great things. Great things. Do we have full slates? For people serving, no, we don't. We don't in youth, we don't in children. But I just trust in the body of Christ. And there's people that God is nudging and bringing forward. So that's the first thing. The second thing, in verse 4, it says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. So the second thing is we need to pray with joy for the people in my life. Doesn't it encourage you to know that someone's praying for you? Man, I just know that when people say I'm praying for you, it just just builds me up. And I know they are because I sense it and I feel it. Now, I want to ask you another question. I want you to think of somebody who irritates you. Don't look at them if they're sitting beside you. I just want you to think of it. Think of someone that irritates you. And I want to ask you, maybe someone that you've got a strange relationship with. And I have two questions for us to think about. And they're kind of like, oh, they're sobering questions. They hit me. And the first one is, do you pray for them? 
And the second one is, or do you just grumble and complain? We need each other. We need each other. We need to be praying for each other. Number three says, verse, I mean, number three point is from verse six. It says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We need to believe in the people in our life and in our church. Paul, did we need to believe in them? We need to make a habit of believing rather than criticizing. Had the opportunity the last couple of days to spend at the Global Leadership Summit just to be inspired by incredible leaders throughout our world, throughout um, all over the world. And one of them that spoke is one of my favorite authors and speakers on leadership, and that's John Maxwell. And he had this quote. He says, are we going to spend our life connecting with people or correcting people? It's a good one. Are we going to spend our life connecting with people or correcting people? Paul was a pro at bringing out the best in others. We need to do that. Or do we sometimes say, oh, they'll never change. Have you ever caught yourself saying that? They'll never change. You know what? If Jesus is in them, saying that is actually saying more about Jesus than it is about them. Because then we're saying Jesus isn't enough. We need to have that encourage people. You know, I think of sometimes with babies, with Tate, my grandson turning soon one, learning to walk. What if we just decided, oh, he'll never walk. He'll never, he, he really, he can't do it right now. He wobbles all over, he falls. What if we decided, to, unless he's learned this weekend, I don't know, so I have to check with that. But we have, we know it's in him to walk. When we believe in someone that has Jesus in them, it's in them to do well. It's in them to walk. So when he starts to do what do we do? Yay, you can do it. Go, go, go. And when he toddles and falls over, we go, oh, get up, get up, get up, get up. What do we do? What if we did it the other way that sometimes we treat people in the church? Oh, look, he fell down again. We got to believe in people and believe that if Jesus is in them, they can do well. Bob Goth. He's an author of Love Does. I had the privilege of hearing him speak. And some, some from the church here, we went to Breakforth and we heard Bob Goff speak. And he says this, if we want to know how well we're doing in our spiritual walk, we need to do this. If we want to know how well we're doing with people, we need to do this. Think of the person that you disagree with the most. And then think of how you treat that person. Think of the person you disagree with the most and then think of how you treat that person. Wow, sometimes that can give you a real, a real check. We need to believe in the people in our life and the people in our church. Verse 8 says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So the fourth point I'd like to say is we need to love the people like Jesus loves. Last weekend on Sunday, Jody shared a story about a little boy named Ethan. And Ethan had, when we told the story about Jesus calming the storm, that night there had been rain at the camp. And Ethan stood up by his window at camp and he put his arms out and he said, in the name of Jesus, stop. You know, the, the, the kind of good and bad thing, the storm did stop. The rain kind of stopped. So, and I'm not saying I don't believe, but I just think, wow, that's in, he's believing in a lot of things. I said, Lord, you're, you're showing him a lot of things with that, you know, the rain kind of... So his leader, his cabin leader was sharing that the next morning 
at Staff Chapel. And as he was sharing that, he was saying, yeah, the rain stopped. You know, it's not that we don't believe that the miracles happen, but he said, wow. But he told us a little more about this little boy. He said, yesterday I was sharing with him that I've just really been going through a bad time or a tough time because I'd lost someone. And so that night at the, at the campfire, this little guy had asked the leaders if they would sing a song that was actually not a kid's camp song. It was a deep faith adult camp song. And the leaders sang it. And Ethan, while the leaders were singing, he stood up on a bench and he put his hand on his cabin leader's shoulder. And he just sang a blessing over him. I thought, wow, that is powerful. A child singing a blessing over his camp leader. And then he went on to just share this relationship with this guy and how much this had encouraged him. But as I was sitting and I was looking at this camp leader, I thought, boy, he looks familiar. So afterwards, I went up to him and I said, thank you so much for sharing that story. about Ethan, that was just really encouraging. Thank you for sharing that. And I said, oh, you look familiar to me. And he said, you look really familiar to me too. And so I said, what's your last name? He told me his last name. And then I said, oh, I am Ben and Liz's daughter-in-law. Ben and Liz are Elmer's parents. Going back about five years ago, six years ago maybe, this young teenage boy came into church. He was going through a lot of things in his life. He did not have spiritual support at home. He was going through a lot of things, but he knew that I think I want to go to church. I think there's going to be some answers in church. So he had some great things in his family, but maybe there was just that one piece that he wanted to understand more. So he went to this church. He looked around when he stepped in this church and he was very intimidated because he was just all by himself and he was this young teenage guy and he looked at the youth and he thought, I don't, I don't know if I don't think I fit in there. I don't think I fit in there. And he saw a little old gray-haired man and a gray-haired lady. Actually, a bald man and a gray-haired lady. And he said, they look safe. So he sat down by my in-laws, Ben and Liz Brown. Well, one thing about my mother-in-law, her whole life, I've never known her not to meet someone and say, hey, can you come for lunch? So this young man, all by himself, went to my in-laws for lunch. That began years of relationship. And the reason I said I recognize you is because he's been at our house for Christmas. You know, Grandma would always say, come for Christmas. He sat at our Christmas dinner table. But this is the line that he said to me, can you tell them I'm doing well? I haven't seen them in a while, but can you tell them that I'm doing well in the Lord? Can you tell them that? Because he'd gone through some things that weren't so well. And I said, yeah, I'll tell them. And then he closed with, by saying this. He said, they loved me like a grandson. That's how we need to love each other. We are a family. So when we see those young guys like that young guy, we need to say, hey, sit here. How are you doing? You know, I used to wonder. He would go to their house, and then he'd play games all afternoon with them. And I used to think, man, he's ministering to my in-laws. I didn't know what was the backstory. I just saw what I saw. The backstory was he needed that love and that ministering too. So when Bob Goff says that, how are you doing with treating people? Sometimes we may say, what? I'm supposed to be thankful for every person in my life? You don't know. It's easy for you to start. You don't know the situations, the relationships, the stuff that's going on. You know what? I don't know. And you know what? You don't know the stuff that's going on in my life either. We don't know. And sometimes that's what's so easy about coming to church and saying, how are you? Good, fine. How are you? Bye. 
boy, we do a disservice to what God wants for us in the church when we do that. Because we want to build community. We want to be a community that these kids that are growing up will say, you got to come to my church. You just got to come. You got to meet the people. You're going to feel so loved. That's what we want to be. And so you might ask, well, what do I pray? How do I pray? I'm really not getting along with this person. How do I pray? You know what? Paul outlines that for us too. In verses 9 to 11, he says, and this is my prayer that your love may abound. We can pray for people that they would grow in love. You can pray that for someone that you're having some troubles with. More and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. We can pray for people that they would make wise choices in whatever's going on in their life. And that you may be pure and blameless. We can pray that they would live with integrity until the day of Christ Jesus, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. We can pray that they become more like Jesus. I so ask if there's anything that you could pray for me, pray that I become more like Jesus. That's, that's it all in one. That's praying blessing on the ministry. That's praying a blessing on kids' ministry. Pray that Pastor Bruce becomes more like Jesus. That's what we want for each of us. Then we will become the body that God says. People will know we're his disciples by that. And so we would pray those things, those four things. Pray that we'll grow in love, make wise choices, live with integrity, and become like Jesus. And this is not a prayer that we say at the end, oh yeah, and if it's your will, Lord, pray this. It's not. It is his will. It is his will. It's in his word. It's his will. It's what he desires for each and every one of us. It's in his will. You might say, I can't do that. If you say that, you know what? You're absolutely right. Because actually, I can't do it either. You might say, it seems impossible, and then we're at the right place. Then we are at the right place because we can't do it. Because if it's something we could accomplish on our own, then we wouldn't need God and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. But because we need him, then, yes, that's how we want to step forward because that is inviting him because we're hopeless on our own. This fall, we're going to be a part of the biggest church invitation of this generation. It's Canada-wide. Nationwide Alpha Focus inviting people into conversations around the life-changing message of Jesus. We need to love each other so that all will know the truth of John 13, 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. And Lord, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you, Lord, for the truths that you spoke to people that weren't words that came out of my mouth. They were things that just were happening between you and them. And Lord, I'm just sensing that in this room, there are people that have some of those relationships that are strained. And there are people that are saying, it's hard for me to be grateful for something that's going on. Lord, I just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would infuse into that relationship and you would transform and do the work that your Holy Spirit can do there, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that even though we think it's impossible, that nothing is impossible with you. And if we just take those steps of obedience... You want to lead and guide and direct. Help us to love each other well. Help us to be vulnerable when sometimes that's risky and scary, Lord. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you died on the cross for all of this, for what, what we're 
what we're talking about this morning. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name.